everybody. Welcome back to Porsche Club Insider. I'm Vu Gwen. I'm your host for today. And I'm here at the 5 North Main Podcast Studio in Bel Air, Maryland with our normal cast of characters. This is our third podcast and we have Manny Albin, our technical director, Rob Sass, Panorama Editor, and Damian Lowney, Digital Media Coordinator. Shout out to the coffee bar for the fresh coffee. And uh, let's just kind of go into what the heck did you do last weekend? Any car stuff? Well, just as you were reminding me, I uh, I got to meet uh, Bel Air's finest on the way out from the podcast. Um, <laughs> Last podcast. That's right. Yes, I wasn't. Uh, I had ways on, but I, I wasn't paying attention to it. And uh, I wasn't even looking at the speed limit. And I uh, got pulled over for doing uh, 45 and a 30. And uh, the officer, um, so I'm driving the Z3, which is kind of ratty. You know, it's my daily driver, 215,000 miles. So the cop. Uh, leans in and says, uh, do you own this car? <laughs> As in, I can't believe As you're driving this car? Are you driving your son's car? And I'm like, yeah, it's mine. They're like, okay. I thought they got you for not having a front plate. That's what I, my no, guess was. No. I didn't think you, like that little stretch, I didn't think you could even get to a, above the speed Especially limit. with the 1.9 Z3. Yeah, exactly. So I thought they pulled you over for uh, But once again, I think he felt sorry that, you know, 55-year-old guy driving, uh, trying to relive this youth in a convertible. And uh, luckily I got a warning. Well, the thing is, uh, the appropriate thing for us to do as we drove by and saw you pulled over is uh, we took a photo and sent it to your yes. wife immediately. Because <laughs> my wife texts me and says, uh, speeding or light out. And I called her up and I said, how in the world did you just find out in like a minute? Because she works at the uh, courthouse. And uh, I thought for sure one of the cops swung by because the courthouse is only like a minute from where I got pulled over. But uh, no, she said that uh, your daughter sent a photo of me being pulled over. So, <laughs> how yeah. about you, Rob? Any car stuff this past weekend? Just cleaned out my garage in preparation for the uh, the famous TVR coming shows. home. Yeah. So, is it being shipped home, or are you going to go fly and drive it back? No, nah, it's being shipped home. I just I don't have time. My travel. You should just ship insane. it directly to the next owner. <laughs> <laughs> now this hey it's a total keeper vu uh, yeah no i i actually i like the car so what did you end up having done to it uh fuel, fuel, fuel pump, pump and fuel filters and fuel tank drained and cleaned out usual stuff okay <laughs> usual stuff <laughs> usual stuff usual stuff for any car that's been sitting for a while Okay, okay. And that was sold to you as perfectly running good TVR. Which it was. Ready, ready, to, ready to go. I, I don't feel like the car was misrepresented in any way. It's, it's really nice, but, you know, cars sit. Uh, stuff gets sucked through the fuel system, and, you know, you got to deal with this. And plus, you know, it probably, it's the first time I probably saw ethanol gas in its entire life, which probably didn't make it happy either. How about you, Damon? You you autocrossed this last weekend, right? No, no autocross. Oh, no autocross? Um, but I uh, did drive uh, a car that's not my Porsche that I'm pretty enthousi- enthusiastic Do about. Do not say your Camry. It's the Camry. <laughs> oh, my God. God. No, yeah. I was going to say, you say Camry and you lose a body part. <laughs> yeah, well, it is All a, the credibility goes out the window for you. We have to get a new, off. a new podcast guest now. <laughs> well, it is a unicorn. It's a V6 manual Camry. So that's almost 200 horsepower, about 3,100 pounds. So for those of you that have never seen this car, if you can think of a car that... Remember the Charlie Brown character, Pigpen? If Pigpen was a car, that's your Camry. I was Uh, thinking about any abandoned car in Detroit. (laughs) This could be filling as an extra. 
It still has salt and brine from Chicago, where it lived most of its life. <laughs> yeah, you uh, didn't. Wa- you haven't yet. watched it since you got it. You got no, it from that, like that, the family. That is a nice uh, set, uh, bit of patina there, right? Is what we call <laughs> patina, it. patina, patina, right. patina. Well, the one thing it doesn't have, though, is the typical Camry dent in the bumper. I mean, I, I walked around the back of it, fully expecting to see that, and you know, no it does dent. not have the pumpkin size divot in the corner of the bumper. But there is something is nice shocking. about driving. A car that has "quote unquote" patina, and you don't stress driving that car, right? Like, no, you I need don't to care of it mechanically. You went through it mechanically, and if you get a ding, if you get a dent, if you take it down to Baltimore, yeah, if it's there when I get back, great. If not, that's okay too. Yeah, yeah. Well, it hasn't left me stranded since I brought it back from the dead. But um, well, it's after, not. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, after I drove uh, to Pennsylvania for um, a friend's wedding and back, uh, I noticed that you the took coolant. that car to the wedding. Yes, I did. As you would. Could, could have taken the Porsche, but <laughs> right. why, why not take the Camry? But it's I got back wedding. and it has a coolant leak. It needs a new radiator and, uh, you know, all the stuff that well, you do while you're in there. So uh, wow. more winter project for hmm. me. So that was my, my, my weekend as well. I, I went to a wedding. Uh, didn't really do any car stuff. It was a nice drive down to northern Virginia. But we had a lot of car discussions because my, um, well... Our minivan is well, getting over 200,000 miles, and we don't really need all the room. So next year, the goal is to get the missus uh, a new car. And now shopping for one and trying to find the right one is fun. But then also, I find that there's it's kind of limiting because I have some, some certain parameters that this car has to be. And uh, we're not finding a lot of options because everybody is selling freaking compact SUVs and we don't want an SUV. We want like a hatchback, wagon, fun to drive, manual, decent gas mileage, and there's not a lot of cars left. Mazda 3. Yeah, so on the way up here, which was about an hour ride from the PCA offices, uh, there was heavy traffic on the interstate, so we were examining every car that passed us. Um, hey, you got here safe and sound, and we didn't get a ticket. Don't yeah, complain. so the Mazda 3, I think, claimed, came out as a surprise winner of uh, possible candidates. Yeah, because I think the leading candidate over the weekend was a, like a GTI, a four-door GTI. And then um, then we thought about like Lexus CT200. Golf All-Track. Golf All-Track. Well, if manual. you're going towards wagons, you might check out a, a Buick Regal, which is a um, pretty good-looking wagon, actually. Did he come to the wrong podcast? No, it's a really good looking wagon. (laughs) Would that be a Regal? It's an Opal. Did he just say a Regal Regal? (laughs) Regal. Hey, I'm not great with pronunciation. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Damon, I will say I do like that car. Yeah. I can't convince my wife to like that car. No, here's what you do is you do what what every other car is. Because that's basically what we have now. We have a Chevy Cruze, right, for my daughter. Right. And it's it's a nice car for the yeah. money. Yeah, you just you just opalize it. You take off the Buick badges and put the opal badges on and, and call it good. Yeah, so anyways, well, well, you know, we also love the Macan, right? And I think a Macan is a great choice too, but we're kind of in our heads conflicted because we have a Cayenne and we feel as though a Cayenne and a Macan are too, too close. Although they're, I, I think they're different cars. I mean, towing capacity, size fuel efficiency. I mean, our 06 Cayenne is a big thirsty V8 where these new Macans are super efficient. But my wife, before um, we had kids, we had a uh, three series touring that she absolutely loved. And I sold it when I joined PCA on staff because I said I couldn't drive 
a BMW to work every day, and we bought a 996. We sold and her. What do you drive to work every day now? Hush, hush, Mr. Sass. Sorry. Hush, Mr. Sass. <laughs> well, what I, I, had a, I had an E46 manual wagon when I first started. It's a great car. It was fantastic. And I miss that car she, every day. She even said, you know, well, can I get my old car back? And for like a hot minute, I was like, I can. But you're, you're talking about a 10-year-old car, and I want something that we can just get in, not think about it, drive five hours, something happens. She drives by herself long distances quite a bit, and well, I, w- I want a newish car. Here's the scary thing. If you could find that hypothetical unicorn E46 wagon with under 50,000 miles on it and a manual transmission, I guarantee you you would pay more for that car than you would for like a 2018 Golf All Track with a manual. That's crazy. They're 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 in the high teens, right? High teens, but still I, not like I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to believe good luck. in it. For a 50, 000, I guarantee yeah. you a 50,000 mile manual E46 wagon, particularly if it's rear wheel drive, yeah. that's now above $20,000. Well, that's the thing is you can't find a rear wheel drive. They're all IX right. and I don't want an IX. Right. Yeah. Right, that is true. But even an XI is, you know, with those miles and a manual is a $20,000 car. And that's kind of the price range of like a 2017 or 2018 golf all track. So what do you do? Well, you go to the Mart and look at Mart Fresh and see what other cars are out there. Mm. You like that transition? That was a great segue. <laughs> that was. So let's talk a little bit about Mart Fresh. For those of you that don't know, these are some picks that the staff here in PCA go through. Every two weeks, we go through the PCA Classifieds, which is called the Mart, and we pick our favorite cars. And we thought we'd talk about it today. Uh, this week's pick, I'll go first, since I'm already chit-chatting. I picked that beautiful Iris Blue 996 that I think is Man. probably, if you're going to buy a 996, especially a 2000 996, this is the way you should buy it, because it seems like somebody has dumped some serious money into this car and for whatever reason they want to let it go and for 34 grand i think it was whoo this car is beautiful and i thought you were going to change your pick because i've actually corresponded with the owner i'm actually kind of interested in the car the only thing <laughs> mr sass that i can't quite figure out is not every car that goes into the mart has to go through your hands first <laughs> that's not the way it works <laughs> no it does not work that way no but it's it's an interesting car it's a, it's a replacement engine but it's it's an engine that was built by a shop in colorado with a really good reputation it's an 04 engine in a was, was it 2000 2000, yeah. 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 And, and, you know, all the right parts and, and everything else, um, uh, trying to get a hold of the shop to ask a couple of questions because it's got what he says is a 997 IMS bearing. It does not have like a, you know, like an LN replacement intermediate shaft bearing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the, the question I would want answered is, uh, you know, is the car due for another bearing yeah. at this point? But before we get into the details of the car, and this is a pet peeve of mine, and no disrespect to the seller, there are a couple of photos that give you a good idea of the condition of the car. The car is super clean, but they didn't take the time to give you more details on the car. Like it's pretty limited information. Right. I mean, you don't know if it's a respray or, I mean, it's a great color. It's, um, it's, a great it's color. iris blue with, what is it, space gray? Mm-hmm. Um, it's got sports seats. It's got sports seats. It's got a carbon fiber three-spoke wheel. Yeah. Um, something that I noticed. It's got oh, rocker sills. So, so why does it have rocker sills, but doesn't have like a GT3 nose, right? Right. That's, that's kind of interesting. Or, yeah, rear spoiler. So it's like one third of an aero kit. Yeah. And, and it's got, you sort of want to know what the, the right. you know, what it's happened there. It's got turbo twist wheels that I don't think these are OEM wheels. They're kind of the turbo twist look. 
And then it also has the Carrera badge in the back deleted, which a lot of people do. But right. when you see that, you're like, was it deleted because they liked the look or was it deleted because it re- resprayed? I don't know. It was deleted because it's held on by double-sided tape. And, you know, after 17 mm. years. No, that, that's those. My 964 has had it for 31 years. Yeah. All yeah. Right. Those stay on unless you snag yeah, your microfiber cloth. built 964. <laughs> They, they stay on unless you snag your microfiber cloth on, like, the A or the R or something like that. But usually they stay put. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, I, you know, can't answer that. But it's it, it's a good-looking car. The The interesting thing is, at $34,000 with the engine work, we all, I think the consensus was, it's a, you know, it's a car that's priced right. Two years ago, what would you have expect? I mean, what, what would your expectation be in terms of... of that was a below twenty. Below twenty thousand dollar car, back Yeah, a few years ago. Uh, with it's, the engine it's amazing. and everything. Yeah, I don't know. I think with the engine, twenty two, twenty three might have been okay. Yeah, 20s, might have been the asking 20s. price two years ago. So it's amazing. But I think at thirty four, it's a smoking deal. I do too, yeah. and I just think that's a sign of the times that we're in. But you you mentioned, or, or at least we saw in the description of that car, it mentioned a nine nine seven IMS, IMS bearing, I, and I'm not sure what they sense. mean. If it's an 04 yeah. engine, it would have had. You know, let's face it. You know, the worst version of the IMS bearing, a the single small one, yeah, but, single, but row, single row. What? It's replaceable. You can, it's but it is replaceable. Nine nine seven IMS bearing wouldn't fit into a two thousand four. Correct. It'd be and the big, It would be the big so, single. And, row, right? Unless they're talking about like a early, you know, two thousand five bearing, which would be, yeah. in my mind, I think the same as is an 04 bearing. I think. I think the the owner was describing like in my nine nine six. I have a 997 clutch kit, right? Yeah. So maybe they're just, in their mind, they said, well, I got the 997 upgrade for the clutch and da da da, da the flywheel or whatever it is and kind of applied that to the, to the bearing. Well, correct well. me if I'm wrong. I mean, the appeal of this car is it is probably, you know, a modern IMS bearing away from being as close to a bulletproof 996 as you can get. And I think that's... You know, that's the appeal of this car, assuming the cosmetics and everything are... are but do you know, is it... Uh, I mean, they put LN sleeves, they put uh, right. uh, different pistons, pistons, but did they use an aftermarket bearing or did they use the OEM yeah, it's bearing? It's hard to know because in the aftermarket bearing, even LNs, they have a mileage or time... Um, time limit on it. Limit on it, I believe. Yeah, but it's so like six years or 50,000 miles, and as we all know... But here's where I would I've go never with this kept car. A, if, you, if, if whoever purchased this car, just... Just plan on twenty five hundred bucks, right? Everything else is done, right? And then just put, you know, the IMS solution if you're if you're worried about it, and then you're done, right? And the exactly. car is ready to go, ready to go for. I mean, yeah, you could buy the you know the the oil fed IMS solution for fifteen hundred dollars, and then have a you know a car that's probably going to outlive you. Again, thirty four thousand dollars for a beautiful Iris Blue. Super clean right, car. We like your pick, Vu. Yeah, right, that's nice. All right, so all right. Manny, what'd you pick? I picked the 04 uh, Turbo Cab uh, because there's no IMS discussion with this car. Mm. It uses the Mesker engine. Um, <clears throat> comes with the uh, hard top if you want to go with the. Uh, if you drive this car four season, which you know the later turbos are definitely four season cars, um, it's nice to have a hard top uh, so you don't have to expose your soft top. Plus, it's a salt. cool look. Yeah, it's a whole different look. Yeah, and people confuse it with the coupe, but it's, uh, you mean a hard top on one of these? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it looks terrible. Oh, I don't think so. Oh no, uh, it doesn't look. That's, that's good. why they're all hanging in people's 
garages no, and leaning up no. against They're the hanging because it sounds like a good idea when you get it. <laughs> and so you have to And then you find out you don't, don't want to drive it in the winter and snow and so you leave the I know I have a box to okay, hardtop so, sitting so, in so, the uh, So you closet. all know, you all know my hoarding problem, right? Um, so my How many hardtops are sitting in <laughs> so, so my neighbor my neighbor goes, "Hey, Vu, I, I'm clearing out this property and the guy that left uh, left a Porsche hardtop." I'm like, "Really?" He's like, "Do you want it?" And of course, what I say, "Yes." You're sitting on a hardtop? I've got a I've got a dark blue 997 hardtop. 997 or 996? They're the same, right? They're the same. Yeah. Are they? Yeah, yeah. 996 997. I kind of wouldn't mind a hard. The problem is the mounting kit it's like a thousand dollars. I mean, I you can go know. buy a used hardtop for six hundred bucks, and then you got to spend a grand just for the you know the the, the mounting, the brackets, or, or whatever. So yeah, I have a hardtop. <laughs> I don't have. I don't have a nine nine six cab or nine nine seven cab. But well, maybe one I, day. I like the. Uh, I like nine nine six turbos. Um, oh, I definitely yeah, love them. The pricing was what made them uh, very attractive. Yeah. How much is this one? Um, Sixty eight. 68. And so it's, it's uh, not a tip. It's a no. It's a uh, six speed. Oh, wow. this is an X50 version too. Yeah, it has the X50 on it. Um, and for and those that don't know what X50 is, what's that add? That's the power kit. So they uh, they add bigger turbos. Um, like I think they do some internal like engine work. Four ten or four fifteen to four fifty. It's four fifteen stock. Yeah, so it takes it up to four fifty. Yeah, th- which is significant. That's a yeah. lot of horsepower for that a convertible. Is. Yeah. Plus, it just sounds cool. It's got the X50 package. And it's yeah. once again, it has the Mesker engine, so yeah. you don't have to mess with that. Um, but let's face it. I, I owned a 996 Turbo, and these cars are not maintenance-free. The one thing that you'll, you know, that you'll be dealing with is the fact that there's a lot of stuff that is just flat-out not accessible in there. So that if you want to, for example... Uh, replace your your coolant overflow tank. You know if it's yellowed and you're thinking you know it's due to crack. Yeah, the engine has to partially come out. So there's a whole host of other stuff, secondary air injection system that you know you'll want to replace when the engine's out. So it gets to be almost like Ferrari ownership from the standpoint of engines got to come out to do a lot of stuff. And there's a lot of while we're in there, let's do this. And that's kind of a buzzkill when you're replacing stuff that isn't actually broken that hasn't actually failed, and you're spending a lot of money to do it just because it's accessible. So, you know, mm. something to keep in mind. This is from an English car owner. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to Have say. Have you seen how accessible everything is on that DVR? The whole friggin' front well, third of the car be. lifts yeah. up. They were still working on it as they were rolling it into the showroom floor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, anyways, I, I, I got car. this because a friend of ours um, who uh, I met through Cards and Coffee, he had been looking for a Porsche for I think maybe nine months now and uh, I convinced him to buy uh, the uh, test drive membership because mm-hmm. he said he didn't want to join a club didn't want to be a poser until he had a Porsche and I said well test drive is just up your alley because it's meant for people who don't have uh, a Porsche but are looking for one and want access to the uh, PCA classifieds the Mart it took him one week to find a car oh, all really? those all those months uh, trying to bid on cars and auctions and losing, you right. know, calling up uh, people and, and, and other classifieds and finding out the car has been sold. And I told him, I said, check every day on the Mart, right. sometimes yeah. multiple Refresh times. It every morning. And he said it came out that morning. He called a guy up. He was in Texas. We're in Maryland. Made the offer, and he owned the car. He texted me a picture of the, he said, this is now off the uh, Mart. Right. And it was a 05 Turbo S cab, not cab, uh, hardtop. Mm-hmm. Which is the last year last of year, the uh, yeah. 
of the turbos, which have that has the um, X50 package already as part of the S. Let me guess, was it seal gray? I believe it was gray. Yeah, Yeah. they're all they're all seal gray. Yeah, 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 mine was seal gray with black. Oh hum. Now the one thing, if I were to pick this car up, and for some reason I don't, it's it's very visible with the turbos. Is I feel like they have Cadillac ride height. They all sit up way too high, and just a nicer suspension on these turbos right. just changed the whole look of the car. Right, and they look amazing. I know that was a point that you constantly made about my car, and I, I don't disagree. <laughs> that the four by four look, yeah, that, and they are they're quiet, and there's no gundo hack for a turbo. I mean, you are paying the Porsche turbo tax on any aftermarket exhaust system that you buy. So there is that. You don't need to hear it. You just need to feel it. Right. All that power. It'd be nice to hear it and feel it, but okay. What'd you pick? What did I pick? Yeah. Uh, I picked the first year uh, Light Metallic 944. 83 Fofo. Yeah, which original owner, the other thing I like about it is how can you go wrong buying a Porsche from a guy who's Gerhardt? <laughs> how can Gerhard? you go wrong? He says that all that time. I know. How can you go wrong? The seller's name is Gerhard, and he's the original owner, and he's kept every receipt. And he, I mean, you, you had me at Gerhard, but, you know, this just has the look of a car that, you know, that you want to own. I mean, it's got a couple you, of... You mean the, the wheels that are beat up and... They're... <laughs> The, the 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 rim that the unpainted part of the cookies has some corrosion. Big deal. You know that's that's easy to fix. Well, Plus, you could buy wheels, wheels aren't important, so it doesn't matter. The well, rust. No, that's no indication of anything else. They are the least desired Porsche wheel on the planet. You could go anywhere and find a set of four refinished perfect cookie cutters for that car for under a thousand dollars. So problem solved. The other issue with the car is it has the usual Grand Canyon of dash cracks that you see in, in all these cars, yeah. and you know that's. A little bit off-putting, but it's had, like, sheepskin seat covers on it its whole life. The seats are perfect. Paint looks original. It's got every record for it, and it's a first-year car, so it's got manual steering. Um, I happen to like the original, you know, the yellow font gauges and the reverse sweep tack and all that stuff. You know, I think that, that stuff is is cool. So that it's, was a fir- um, your second pick. So that's a, uh, a $13,000 944. What was your first pick? Oh, my first pick was the car that I tried to buy was the seventy nine hundred dollar nine sixty eight in San Diego that sold literally to Manny's point earlier. There are great cars and and occasionally good deals on the mark, but you've got to be quick. And this car went in a nanosecond. It was one hundred thirty eight thousand mile uh, silver car. That was a good looking car. Yeah, nine sixty eight coupe. For $7,900. Oh, that's a steal. Oh, I know. I know. I, we're talking about this 944 for $12,900. <laughs> this is a 968 uh, that was $8,000. I just hope it went to an end user. You know, oh, I, I really, I, I don't want to see this thing I was reading. Flipped. I was reading your paragraph first, and I saw 8000 I didn't realize this 944 was 12944 yeah, you ask me between oh. a $13,000 944 and an $8,000 968, oh. you know which one I'm Yeah, I know, wow. I know, but let's yeah. face it. I mean, that 968 was a freak. So I what's, mean, what's yeah. the Achilles heel for this car? And the reason why I ask is, so the family was with me at Porsche Parade, and if you look at my 16, now 17-year-old son's camera roll, he had all pictures of 944s, and he came up to me, he's like, Dad, are these cars expensive? Because I really like 
this car. I, they we were talked all about this the last time. I judged uh, at the the Audrain Concours a couple of weeks ago. The the under thirty uh, year old owner class. It was five nine forty fours. So. Um, yeah, there's something about millennials and 944s. I don't know. I mean, the, the only Achilles heel for me with 944s is if you have to do a clutch, it's pricey. I think the torque tube and the exhaust and everything have to come down. And doing timing belt, balance shaft belts every five years or whatever uh, is, is kind of a pain. But otherwise... That doesn't sound hateful. It's all, no, it all depends on how the cars were maintained. Right. Yeah. Because this falls under a lot of uh, cheap Porsches where people... Didn't want to maintain right. it properly. It the went third the, and fourth uh, owner syndrome. Do these yeah. have real heat? I have a real AC? Do, this. Hmm? do they have real heat or real AC? Like, could you? Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's not Toyota Camry yeah. AC. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I had a black on black 87 924S and it struggled. Yeah. And it was only a couple years old when I got it. Um, so it, in the uh, Baltimore heat, it struggled. Uh, but, you know, it was. Uh, you struggle in the ball. Everybody yeah. struggles in the Baltimore. But you're not it's, putting your hand over the vent, going, "I think cold air is coming." No. It's, yeah. uh, it's 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 better than a, a 911 uh, old 911 air conditioning. My, my th- I, like I love the way they look. I mean, they were in the era of me growing up and in all the movies and stuff. But it may be my physical proportions. But with your 944, 968, uh, other cars I've sat in. I cannot find a comfortable driving position. I feel like I'm so close to the steering wheel. Like right. My legs don't reach, but then I'm too close. Like I just, it's just I, I not know. a comfortable seating position. Part again, the, it might just be me. Part of the problem with a yeah, at a restaurant, <laughs> you have no problem finding a seating position. <laughs> yeah. Manny's looking at me. You should lay off the food. Maybe that's yeah. why. Part of the problem with 944s, I think, is the diameter of the steering wheel. Because in a lot of situations, you have steering wheels that come into contact with your thighs and everything else. A smaller diameter wheel, I think, goes a long way to making the car easier to live with. But, I mean, ergonomically, they're kind of weird, you know. I mean, the handbrake being outboard the seat and I like all that, that stuff. I like that because that's like a Fiera. My, yeah. Okay. Bring you back to my Fiera days. <laughs> I owned one for uh, several years, and I fit in it uh, quite easily. But the one thing was the steering wheel doesn't telescope, and it doesn't tilt. And as Rob said, if you have the original wheel, they're very big, uh-huh. they'll probably touch your thighs. And that's right. the main issue. Oh, so maybe I that's have. why I always feel like it just feels weird. Yeah, yeah you, you know, get a 300. Like yeah, down here. Exactly. Yeah, than. get a so 330 it's not motor. See, Manny looking at me all funny. It's not me. No, it's not you. And road okay. testers back in the day uh, noted the same thing. Just get a 330 millimeter wheel, and that problem is largely solved. I mean, <laughs> is that driving, why most of those get, cars get the wheel have, for Americans? Most of those cars have Momo steering wheels in them. And that's exactly why. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah mine but I mean, had a to me, when I bought it, the driving yeah. position kind of reminds me a little bit of like a BRZ, you know, Toyota eighty six sure. kind of thing. Sure, you Absolutely. know, you sit low, and I, I don't know. So Damon picked one of my favorite modern day cars. You uh, yeah, it that? was a two thousand sixteen Cayman GTS. Um, I picked a Cayman R last uh, th- for the last Mark Fresh, so I guess I'm on a roll here. But the reason I picked this one was because it's the um, the uh, the flat six. A naturally aspirated flat six powered came in. It's the last one before the 718s came around with the uh, turbo flat fours. Here we go again, the discussion of the exhaust. Exactly. Well, it's not just that. It's a, And I love the flat fours, but if you're somebody who likes a flat six, instead of going for a 718 Spider or GTS 4.0 um, or came in a GT4, which probably all over $100,000 at this point mm. on the used or new market, um, you can go for this, 70 grand. Uh, the guy has some competition seats in it. I'm, it, I'm guessing buckets, although 
Uh, I can't tell from the one picture that he included, but uh, he has the stock seats with it, so you can do a little bit of track work if that's your thing um, and get the flat six experience for a fraction of the cost of a new car. So I, I read your description. It's got a replaced engine. That's curious. Yes, it does. So that can be a good <laughs> or a bad thing, in, in my opinion. I, I guess you'd want to figure out why the engine was, was replaced, um, what the replacement engine is, and who did the replacement. So yeah, that's, that's a big story. What year is this? Uh, 2016. 2016. 2016. So you'd think it was replaced under warranty and probably by a Porsche dealer, but again, it, you'd want to figure that out. You'd want to know that. And if it was, you know, that, that clears some of it up. But I mean, that's a major story on a five-year-old yeah. car. Yeah. 20,000 miles. You know, on a 97 Boxster or a, you know, a 996 or something like that, a replacement engine is not that big of a deal or that big of a story. But I mean, this is yeah, it's a new you car. definitely want to investigate, yeah. yeah. So so let's talk about replacement engines. Like, in my mind, when have you ever taken anything apart and put it back together and it's 100%? Like, would you, would you I don't know. Like, I, uh, I mean, if you're uh, rebuilding an engine, that's, uh, to me, 100%. I've had it done. I mean, yeah, if you don't get 100% with an engine, it's probably going to not run all that yeah, well. No, I just so. feel like connectors, connectors. But this, things, it's yes. people that know what they're doing, though. I think that's what's key, is right? Like that's what's key is like who did the engine replacement? And yeah. I'm not saying the dealer isn't capable, but you're, you're, it comes down to like the individual in the dealership too. Like if they cared and if they just you know cracked well, a connector or did they properly remove it? And it's a lot easier now than it was uh, ten, even twenty years ago uh, to replace an engine. It's um, not as uh, it, it, was, it was designed into it, right? Exactly. It's, yeah. it's, um, okay, I can, I can... I can't even tell you many times in a race car we took the engine out. We didn't take it apart. We only took it apart once yeah. to have it rebuilt. Um, yeah. But uh, that money shift, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. That was a money shift, and uh, that, that's when I bought a new engine, and then we got the... Uh, Sorry, when I didn't it, mean to bring it, that up. It, uh, that was maintenance. <laughs> maintenance. Well. Like, Honey, I need to take the engine out. That was maintenance. Oh, money Everyone shift. misses a shift. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. I mean, it seems like it's more accepted in the Porsche world than it is in the Corvette and the muscle car world where everybody's obsessed with matching numbers because, yeah. you know, you, you had a run of 2.7 cars in the mid-70s where engines fail prematurely, and those cars show up now with 3-liter or 3.2 conversions, and nobody bats an eyelash over that. Um, you know, you obviously had the run of M96 and M97 cars where the joke was, you know, the check engine light was actually the replace engine light. So it's something we're kind of used to, but I, I agree with you guys. You want to know who did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely do your research. Yeah. But, you know, it could be a major plus to have a basically brand new engine in a car like that, as long as it was done properly. Mm-hmm. And my, my box, my 05 Boxer was, when I bought it from the original owner, he told me that in 06, the engine was replaced. Because IMS. Mm. And it didn't affect my decision. In fact, it kind of made me happy that right. I had an updated, an engine with an updated bearing now in the car. Um, but, yeah, it's, I mean, the, Lord knows the dealers did so many of them. I'm sure we talked to Peter Smith, our uh, resident Goldmeister uh, tech. Mm-hmm. He'll probably tell you probably how many engines he's uh, replaced. Versus rebuilding an engine. Rebuilding an engine is a lot different than yeah. replacing an engine, just taking a block and putting it back. Just, you know putting all the air conditioning alternator back on versus splitting a case and rebuilding it. That's a, yeah. it's a little bit more uh, know-how. Cool. So we've got uh, some new stuff coming up with regards to Mark Fresh. You want to fill people in on that? I know it's a proposal, but it's something you were thinking of doing with Mark Fresh? Oh, yeah. We were thinking about doing uh, just kind of a Mark-based e-newsletter 
just a monthly thing that talks because I mean the the Porsche market is historically bonkers right now. I mean I've never seen it this frothy. I don't think any of us have. And now seems like the right time to do kind of a, a mark-based e-newsletter just to sort of give people some insight from experts like Nathan Mers on where values really are, what's going up, uh, how quickly it's going up, that sort of thing. And also giving people the opportunity to get sort of push notices, regular updates when something new hits the mark because you kind of have to be quick right now mm -hmm. as that 968 showed. I mean, that car was on the West Coast and we found it at 9 o'clock Eastern time and by noon Eastern time, 9 a.m., uh, Pacific time, there was already a deposit on that car. Yeah, if so you want a deal, you got to move fast. That's, right. I had to do that Absolutely. on my car. I was the first caller and literally less than probably First call, an hour cash after. in hand. Yeah. Right. A lot of people wanted my car, but I was the first guy to call. So Right. And uh, you know, we have no idea how long it's going to be this way or if this mm -hmm. is the new normal. But it just seems like now is the right time to launch a new e-newsletter that, that really kind of focuses on the mark, you know, and, and what's going on. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, you know, I think it's a great opportunity for us to kind of build out from what we've done with eBreak News. And we've seen, and it's a perfect segue to our next discussion of the recent Tech Tactics Live, which was the 2021 <laughs> uh, market review. Right. Our members love being in the know of that's what's going 15, on. That's got 15,000 views already. And that's going to be one of the, the pieces of content that goes out with this, along with the lead story, which, which we all talked about the other day, which was $100,000 Porsches that aren't $100,000 yet. And we'll give you sort of a sneak preview of that. It's um, 987 Boxster Spider, 987 Cayman R, and 968 Club Sport, all cars that are still selling for under six figures, but probably not for long. Yeah, a buddy of mine just picked up a, a first-gen Spider, and he was asking me, what do you think, should I buy it for 52? And it was like a, I think it was like a 40,000-mile car, black, Sports seat, sport chrono, clean CK car, manual, manual, and he paid what for it? Fifty-two. I said, dude, if you He's don't like twenty to the good, I was already. like, if you don't buy that, I will buy that. And I said that without even talking to my wife yet. So I almost you thankfully just bought it out from under. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a terrible price, but I'll buy it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's it's cool to also to see. Um, you know, we we did the same show in. November of 2020 and to look back like we and watch that video and to where we are today and mm -hmm. how the market's been man we look pretty good but but if but you watch other YouTube videos um, how many people predicted the market would crash in 2021 yeah true <laughs> of course true. it went I the did. other direction I, I will I no, I predicted when the pandemic started the market was was gonna was going to go down like it did in 2008, 2009 in a Great Recession, and the opposite happened, and, you know, nobody was really predicting Well, I think that. as PCA the whole, PCA leadership, I'm sure they probably thought that membership would go down Well, we definitely with the pandemic. Well, we definitely yeah. tightened our belts, and we <clears throat> set up our budget accordingly, and yet we grew. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's amazing that the, uh, the bubble that was supposed to burst just got bigger. Yeah, and uh, you know, people constantly ask me, "Are we going to go back to the land of fifteen thousand dollars SCs?" So I, I, go, I, 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 I don't think so. In I, a couple of years on, it doesn't feel like a bubble anymore. Yeah. No, I mean really there doesn't. there are peaks and troughs in any market, but the fact of the matter is, the new floor is never going to be what the old floor was. So, yeah, I agree with that. You know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, there were still twenty nine thousand dollars kind of tatty but perfectly drivable SCs around. 
if there's an adjustment, you will not see $29,000 SCs again. You might see them in the mid or high 30s again, but you know, th that-, that well, You might see it still. level off, but I think what yeah. has really fueled the market as well is the lack of cars, just lack of cars right. in general. So now if I'm not buying a you know, $60,000 SUV or I'm not buying this, that, or the other, then I have more money, so to speak, to play with these cars and thinking that it might be a good investment. And it just kind of compounds and people get in this mindset. You see, we were talking about this, what, Nissan Murano convertible that went for <laughs> 60 grand. Like, what, 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 how is, I would have bet my because house rare. that that was never going to happen. How does that happen? Uh, you know, with, without a bidder's bar on an online auction, I have absolutely no, I mean, because that sort of thing, when it, happens at Barrett Jackson it's it's you know it's two or three drunk dudes you know but right. online I have no idea maybe they're drinking at home well in the Murano <laughs> Cabriolet's uh, Murano convertible there are probably five people who own it and six people who want one right so that one guy is going to pay whatever he can I, it's a guy who missed the Isuzu Via Cross <laughs> the week before the yeah. Nissan Murano uh, <laughs> museum maybe needed that car yeah exactly yeah, oh, look, look at this right here on, uh, on an auction uh, website Lincoln Mark V. Oh, I love that car. That is cool. I love that car. In fact, current bid twenty five grand. Because look how cool it is. I just want to drive that thing now, around with like an five years ago. I, five years ago, I loved that car. I, five years ago, you would not have paid twenty five. I would not pay twenty five. I've always laughed at I those cars. Can I tell a little story? Can I tell a little story about that car? With an Isaac Hayes. I don't think this car would fit in my garage. This looks like it's longer than 20 feet. So you know why I love that car? Just aside from like the design and how big it is at 79 is think of it back in the day it's got like a 460 I got a, cubic inch v8 i got a good grade in, i got a good grade in class on one of the tests and myself and a, and a classmate won the opportunity to go to mcdonald's with the teacher and that's what she drove so literally we left school grounds hopped into her 79 lincoln two-door i thought it was like the sweetest car ever and she drove us to mcdonald's and back and i don't think i got a parent permission slip we just did it <laughs> wow weren't those the cars too that had like the designer like the bill Blast the tough the, the tufted the tufted yeah. leather interior with the buttons oh man i thought whew. oh well i mean i just saw you geek out over like an 85 el dorado oh at throttle ago, stop so, oh yeah, yeah. no I, I you know perfectly it's a side to boo this 70s and 80s cars that are perfectly preserved. I just love that. Like, I would love, uh, we were talking about this earlier, a Buick Roadmaster estate with a bubble roof, third row seat, wood grain. Like, if there was a nicely mint one, yeah. I would totally rock a that. A lot of people want those, though. Cause, uh, did you but see I Cadillac? wanted that before those people did. I, I wanted it for uh, a while. Fair enough. Did you see the Fleetwood that was a throttle stop? Yes, I did. Platform? I did. I did. I did. I uh, like this one here. So this is a, uh, we're looking at an 8,000 mile 97 Boxster. Mm -hmm. Now, three, oh, four years ago, these could be had all day. Eight grand. Uh, at eight grand. Yeah. yeah. Now it's, uh, they, oh, it's at 18 current bid. With so like, there's only 8,000 miles on it. It oh. still has uh, three hours ago. So but it, that it, is like the launch we're looking but at. But you look at this. and colors with 8,000 yeah. miles. I mean, that was never a cheap car. Yeah, no, no, it was under $10,000. No, not sure, for 8000 Not for 8000 yeah. Very yeah. close to it. it. Because I was looking at these cars. Because I love the 97 and 99s. They're right. first gen of Boxsters. Very oh. simple. It's a, what I think is a true analog car. Yeah. It's a, and I like low horsepower cars. They're more fun to drive to me than the higher horsepower uh, 
you rarely get flat out type of And that's, that's the car, very similar to the car in our latest uh, YouTube video with Grant Larson. Yes, it is. almost exactly. Almost exactly, yeah. right? And when he talked about, again, people, I, I drives me bonkers. And I've been a, I've had a 996 for a long time. I have a Boxster, and I love the headlights. And people that give me crap about headlights. Who gives, if, does anybody if you, if you watch give that, crap about the headlights? If you watch that, that video and Grant tells you the design of that headlight, you're just like, Makes a bit of sense. There's, uh, there's, makes a lot of sense. There is a lot of sense. inherently wrong with the headlight no, design. They're just a bunch of haters. Right. I mean, you know, nobody hated them on the GT1. Exactly. Exactly. Because that came with like 450 horsepower. Right. <laughs> That's true. But I honestly, have you seen anybody under 50 hate on the headlights of a box? No. In, in fact, I like have. my cousins that are, that are, you know, fairly young to them. Like, the headlights is not even a thing. Like, they don't right. understand if I say, so you like it with the headlights? They're like, why wouldn't I? Like, they just know it as a 911, or they know it as a Boxster, and they just like it as it is. Right. Yeah, that's just kind of a tired trope that needs to be put to rest at this point. But that video, uh, since you mentioned it, mm-hmm. it's uh, out on, uh, just released on Wednesday, I think, or Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. Um, that, that is a... To, I love Porsche parades because of the access we have to a lot of Porsche celebrities or engineers. Some, a lot of times a Porsche family who couldn't make it this year because of COVID. Uh, but uh, to think that the designer of the uh, Boxster, or at least the lead designer, there are several, uh, was um, easily uh, accessed at parade. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, I know. I, I sat in on his presentation, which unfortunately uh, we couldn't record for the rest of the membership to see because... He hadn't gotten full permission from Porsche to show a lot of these Polaroids, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, he, he explained that they couldn't take uh, 35 millimeter cameras into the uh, facility in Wysock, but they were allowed to use this Polaroid they kept there. So when the project was done, he turned all the Polaroid pictures into uh, the archives, and they would take Polaroid pictures to keep track of their progress and uh, you know chronicle the evolution. But the uh, the pic. Like, the Boxster was actually a shorter car than we know it now. And they stuck it in the wind tunnel, and uh, engineers told them, you have to make it longer. It needs more downforce to keep the rear end down. So uh, they had to chop off the, and the clay's already hard, it's already made. Mm -hmm. So how did they chop off this? Well, they recruit the uh, landscaper for Wysock. This guy does nothing but maintain the trees and the bushes. Now he's a Weissach designer. <laughs> so he's in there in the uh, design room with this big chainsaw uh, cutting off. And the Polaroid shows him cutting the back end off with this chainsaw. So that's the only way they could figure it out how to cut it off so he could uh, elongate it. Yeah. I thought, you know, this is uh, all the stuff I read about the box. I never read that this part, but having Grant explain it. And this is sort of what the video also talks yeah, the about. The video doesn't go uh, so deep into the sensitive areas that you know, Grant might have touched base on in, in that seminar, but uh, you'll probably learn something new about the boxers' Definitely design, more. how the headlights came to be what they are now, um, how the, the side intakes uh, were imagined one way and then became another, you know, after budget constraints. Because mm-hmm. you got to remember back then, Porsche was just starting to dig itself out of a huge financial hole. Um, so there wasn't a lot of money to play around with. Um, yeah. And they had to launch two cars. What's the one cars? element that Grant got his way on that to this day he's still really proud of? Uh, he loves the rear of the car. He was very proud of that. What about the rear of the car? Uh, just the shape and, and how um, it looks a lot like the... Yes. the and the center exhaust. Mm-hmm. And the so, center exhaust yeah. was yeah. a big thing. Um, but uh, let's face it, Grant's a delightful person. Um, he's incredibly accessible. Um, 
you know, nice guy from Wisconsin. I mean, yep. super, super nice, super accessible, accessible guy. And that's the thing is, you know, I encourage folks if, if there's an event, a PCA event, where you're having special guests like Grant Larson to go listen to him in person because we're not videoing. I remember when we had Frank Folliser, uh at a PCA event, the things that you get to hear firsthand from them, and they love sharing it because just imagine like, they have all these, I wouldn't say secrets, but they have all these wonderful stories that they can't really tell in public unless they know people are not recording, right? And so, so we tell people, put their phones down, we don't record anything, and you just get so much more involved in sort of their 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 projects and and the, the behind the scenes it's pretty awesome and it's it's hard to explain unless you've actually sat there with someone like that and you hear stories like this yeah it's uh even if you're not a boxster fan it's so interesting to hear um the designer do a walk around 25 years later and this car still is a very more popular than it was when it came out and now you know part of uh, Porsche history and lore, uh, but that uh, that presentation to me was like the highlight of parade of all the new things. And Lord knows I've studied Porsche history for a long time, but hearing it from the uh, designer himself, what it was like to be in that room, how they prepared the car for the Detroit Auto Show, how they were rushed, and um, how they decided that this car was going to be built, not based on a reaction from Detroit. They say he said that uh, they would have. Uh, had Detroit not gone over well when they debuted the car, it might have made them rethink it. But by then, they already they were committed; they were going to build this car. Detroit was just like a confirmation that, yeah, this is uh, something that uh, we know is going to be big. Yeah. You, you know who I want to talk to, and I love Grant and you know Thorsten back there, and uh, um, you know a number of folks that we have uh, back at, at Stuttgart and, and Weissach that we talk to, but. One person that I haven't had an opportunity to meet. Oh, and Pinky Lai. Pinky Lai with Pinky the 996. He's, he's in one, California, right? Yeah, he's in California, yeah. too. Like, why why aren't we, like, accessing him? Because I'm sure he's got some amazing stories. Yeah, he was behind yeah. a 996. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, he's definitely a person that I would, I'd love to. We need, we need to find some time yeah. with him somehow. Well, we're going to be in Palm Springs for a parade next year. wonder if we can get him to do a presentation. Ooh, that'd be that cool. would be fun. Because, I mean, he's a complete, unlike, uh, you know, Grant and, and Tony Hatter and people like that who are still obviously very much connected with the company. Um, Pinky Lai, obviously, you know, at some point parted ways with Porsche and has been pretty quiet about Porsche yeah. since then. And he's largely a mystery to all of us sitting here. So Why, yeah. why is that? That's what I don't, I don't understand. Know. Why is that? Probably because, like uh, Rob said, he, he's not connected to the factory anymore. And, and you know, the factory parades... Grant and Tony out mm. uh, as their, uh, you know, de facto designers, although there's right. a lot more designers for Porsche. They're like the face of the designers and, and they're great representatives, ambassadors of the brand. But yes, uh, I would love to talk to Pinky to hear the stories of uh, how they developed the 996 because that was a radical departure. Uh, Grant joked when he said, uh, you know, when he told his friends that he got a job with Porsche they all looked down like uh, they felt sorry for him because up until then, there was no changes at Porsche for mm-hmm. design. There was nothing new. It was the same car they were coming out with every year, almost like the Volkswagen Beetle. Right. You know, the most, mi- you had the most minor changes. And it was a changes. much smaller company, right? He came from what, Audi, right? He was I at Audi think at so, the time? yeah. Yeah, he was at Audi. Yeah. And, yeah. and he was switching to a smaller company that may 
look like it wasn't doing financially well. Right. Designs haven't changed, but you know, kudos to 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 Grant to take the, the leap of yeah. faith. I know. I to to Manny's point. Imagine taking a job and saying, "Yeah, you can touch everything but the roof, the glass, the doors, and the fenders." <laughs> That's pretty much. <laughs> But we love how you can design cars. Yeah, you know, you might be the person who gets to design the next bumper yeah. or the next, you know, the next turn signal lens. Well, and then and then you add in the regulations. Mm-hmm. Like people, I'm sure designers have amazingly beautiful sketches and designs of different things, but then the real world kind of kicks them in the gut because now you have bumper height regulations, opening regulations, and the reason why there's uh, the rubber around the whale tail of a of a G body car is because of regulations because people may run into it. Yeah. People (laughs) might run into it and they didn't want a hard surface. It had to be a big rubber block. But I think one of our best stories we heard was, uh, I think it was Dr. Wallister told us that the reason that there, there's big, uh, you know, um, radiator openings, but there's, uh, you know, the, uh, intake, uh, slats, I guess you would call them You know, the turbos have them on the side. The Boxster has them. And the reason they're not a complete, you know, hole with no slats is because of the baby head rule. Baby head rule. Uh, yep. That you have to, uh, if the baby's head can fit in it, then it's too big. And I remember the uh, Dr. Wallace was saying back in uh, YSOC, they distract your head and like, does America have a problem with babies <laughs> in the highway? <laughs> What's the purpose? Regulations, and, my and friend. He even showed us this uh, drawing of the 918 Spider as a joke did it internally with uh, three toddlers in the front trunk. And they called it the five-seater 918 because they, evidently they were um, so uh, intrigued by the fact that this regulation of a baby's head is how they determine whether or not they're going to put slats in an opening. Uh, see, I want, the, I want to see the Polaroids of people testing that with the baby doll, seeing if it's going to fit in the yeah. side intake. <laughs> so, the they, they were equally, uh, equally perplexed about the, um, uh, you know, how... Uh, I, I, North American cars, I guess, maybe not just American cars, but all North America, they have to have the glow-in-the-dark uh, release in the trunk. So, uh, you know, if you, if you get trapped in there or something, you can open it up. And The one the mob puts yeah. in the trunk and get out. And they were very <laughs> confused to how many people in America are putting kids in the trunks to right. transport them. That's, then that's literally what it is. It's like the, you know, the, 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 the mobster rule or something. Yeah. You're like Jimmy the Weasel <laughs> and you're in the trunk. It's like, you know... Wait but it happened minutes. to somebody, and yeah. they they got it. Through I, I regulation. don't think the mob is all that susceptible to regulation. You know, it's like saying wait thirty minutes before being thrown into the East River. They're going to choose their car. Oh, well, we can't buy that Lincoln because it has a pull exit. <laughs> I would always like to. I would love to have been in those uh, engineering meetings when they say, oh, "Okay, for this year, you have to design an interior release of the trunk because uh, in case someone gets stuck inside the trunk." But they did. All right. Yep. So that's why I'm North America, because I think European cars don't have that feature. Um, that's usually how you can tell a North American car, but has the interior trunk release. <laughs> so let's switch to an announcement. I want to let everyone know that the fall 2021 member only raffle is now open for your chance to win a 2022 992, a 911 Carrera. And hopefully, if all goes well, we usually start with one car, but depending on how many um, how many entries are sold, we usually raffle off up to six cars. It's a base one or an S? So this one's a base one. Okay. But if you look at the specs on a base 992 now, there's nothing base about it. It's a 
quick car, tons of power, beautiful handling. Um, but yeah, I thought we'd one announce it, but then share with people what's it like once you've won the car because I, I go through this with every winner so they can understand their options. Nobody ever thinks that they're going to win. They buy it an entry hoping to win. Uh, and then once they win, their mind is just blown about the opportunities of winning one of these cars. And unlike what most people think, these cars are not sitting on the back lot at PCA. And then when you win, we just drop it off on your driveway. We actually do better than that. We, we have a spec, we have a build, we have a commitment with Porsche on a car that we're raffling off or a number of cars. And when you win the car, I actually send to you the build sheet and we don't build it you know, base, base, base. We build it because if you don't take the car, you take the cash alternative, it's a car that can actually go to a dealership. So they're typically specced pretty well. Um, most common question is they're like, do I have to take the color of the car that's in the ad for the, the raffle? And the answer is no. You can choose any, you know, basic color or standard color. And um, in fact, if, if you want something different, another standard color, you can do that you can change that up if you want to quote unquote upgrade to a different color you can do that too you're just responsible for the price difference and so uh, how many uh how many do we sell for the first one tickets 8500 for the first grand prize which is the car plus $25,000 or you can take a $85,000 cash prize and then how many after that for the uh second car i think it's like 4500 or so a little bit less. A little bit less, yeah. So it, uh, we, we, we build it so that the first one, definitely the program, you know, if we were to just do one car, like the program is built so that that would be just fine for the club. This is a fundraiser for the club. But as, as you know, Manny, because you were around when we did our first one, we initially sold out. Our first raffle, we sold out, and we did, as we promised, after we sold out, we sent tickets back to people, <laughs> and people were so upset that a lot, we sent a lot tickets. of hate mail. Yeah, they're like, "Why calls. are you sending me my ticket back?" Well, because we sold out. They're like, "Well, why don't you just keep it <laughs> and and figure out how you can put me in the raffle for the next car?" And that's why we have it, you know, as a raffle that can grow based on the number of tickets that are or number of entries that are sold. I know Damon obviously comes because he always videotapes. Uh, have you been to one, Rob? Yet? When we? I haven't yet. No. It's um. It's it's really cool in the sense that uh, you know people always ask us. They'll say, um, "No one looks surprised," and, and everyone you know. If I if I won, I would be screaming up and down, and I would no, tell them, "I go, uh, you're shocked." People, you're watching people literally being just in shock and all life changing. Um, because what like Vu said, when you buy, you know, when I buy a Mega Million tickets, um, you're spending five dollars a dream, but you know deep inside you're not going to win this right maybe you'll win two bucks and get some of your money back but uh that's about it you know you're not going to win 250 million dollars um so uh, when someone uh calls you up or knocks you on the door and says uh with the prize patrol saying uh, you just won this it's it yeah i think only one person i remember that went nuts very few two or three since I've yeah very that. few and like you said people are so shocked and it's hard to capture of course, you know, Damon does his best to capture the moment, but it's hard to capture people in shock. It just looks like they're in not, shock. Or not, not, not they that impressed. Don't, they're or just not impressed. Like or catatonic or just but, doesn't but, make for exciting video. Yeah. And, and, you know, well, but, 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 but if you look not? at them closely, they're shaking. And they're, you know, the one winner in Maryland where it was cold out, he was 
no shoes and a jacket. And he totally, he's standing out in the cold and his wife brings him a jacket. He throws it on and he's so nervous that he can't even zip up the jacket. Like you can't really capture that. It's hard to capture that. Right. But I mean, in terms of raffles with a prize that you actually want to win, this has got to be like top oh my gosh. 20 in terms of, of, of odds being in your favor. The right? odds are amazing. The yeah. fact that you can build the car that you really want. Um, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I, I wish I could play it. None and of us technically, here. Technically, you can win more than one car. Oh, my gosh. If we're yeah. giving away, Does like, five, it came close. Came close. Uh, we, yeah. had, uh, we had, a uh, like, a grand prize, which was the cars, and then we had a second-tier prize, which was a trip, a trip to Germany. trip to Germany. And we had a guy who... Um, he bought 21 tickets. Yeah. But he, the odds he are... I mean, that he was. He thought he only bought two, he said, yeah, and then yeah. he reminded him he bought 21. Yeah, his favorite number was 21. But still, the odds of... That's, that's that's bizarre. Yeah, I mean, the same yeah. person wins a major prize. You know, you're he you're won a trip to like Germany McDonald's with yeah, the yeah. Monopoly thing. Exactly. Plus so the a car, and uh, you know, I told I asked Phil, I said, "What would have happened if he would have won two cars?" And he's like, "We would have been given away two cars." <laughs> cars. Statistically, that is almost impossible to happen. Right. But uh, yeah, he won the the the, the, the trip. And the, as well. and the cars that you see in the video, like we said. Uh, they're not the cars you're going to win. They're usually we stop at a dealer, yeah. and we borrow a car. Um, this year uh, we had to get an older GT4, uh, I think, because uh, they weren't available. Because yeah. the dealer just had none. But usually we try to get the. Uh, usually the dealer has an example, and we'll uh, you know give credit to whoever, whichever dealer we go to to rent the car for today. And uh, I, I just remember the one in Durham, North Carolina, because uh, this guy was hugging me. And he was so happy that he won the trip to Germany. Right. <laughs> and I thought, wow, when we tell him he also won Yeah, because yeah, we, the we, car, revealed, it, <laughs> that we re- revealed the trip first. Yeah, we had planned yeah. to just yeah. tell him I he mean, won the, the trip to Germany. News, I mean, about um, this raffle is that, I mean, the dirty little secret of, of people who generally win cars and game shows and other things is they've got to sell the car because they can't pay the taxes, you know, because you've got to pay income tax and you've got to pay, uh, you know, whatever tax the raffle tax yeah Yeah. registration Mm -hmm. you know but this is different yeah so when we started the the raffle um i think it was like 2007 or so it was just the car it had no grand it had no money attached with it as a winner and and we did that for a few years and i would say all it was the majority of people ended up taking the cash because you know you're talking about a hundred thousand dollar car if you were to take delivery of the car you're thirty thousand dollars you know, towards taxes and such that you weren't really planning to spend right. $30,000, $35,000. So as much as people, they would say, oh, I'm taking the car, taking the car. Then we go to do the paperwork. They're like, ooh, I didn't have I'm not 30. taking the car. I'm not taking the car. Yeah. So, you know, credit to the executive council back then. They said, well, and, and Porsche, they're like, what can we do to give people really the opportunity to win a car? And that's why we added the $25,000 cash. Does it cover all the taxes? No, but now... You know, instead of coming up with thirty-five grand to take delivery of your car, you could call, you could. Some people have come away with as little as five thousand dollars, and they took delivery of a car. Like they yeah. optioned down a little bit, and um, yeah. So it's if you want a car, you and you win, you you definitely can now. To me, that's the coolest thing about the the raffle is the fact that that there is the cash component. Yeah, absolutely. It's like getting a uh, big coupon. Oh uh, yeah. To, when you buy a Porsche and. Like Boo said, you can uh, option out the rest. So, um, yeah, for anyone who's looking for a Porsche or is a Porsche enthusiast, it's like a dream to... Uh, Absolutely. Because, uh, have, as we know, Porsche and Porsche Exclusive will be happy to 
separate you from your funds to get everything and anything you want leather covered. That's a remarkably diplomatic <laughs> and the, the other thing is, thanks to Porsche Cars North America, you know, at least once a year, we have access to cars that are hard to get, right? Like we had the GT4, we had Targas that had just come out. I can tell you now, I know the car that we are going to raffle next year is a car that you cannot get. So, um, yeah, it's... it's GT4 RS? Hush, hush, hush. <laughs> I'm not going to give it up. But I'm guessing this is <laughs> guessing. I yeah, but, but that's, that's cool, too, is not only do you get to win a car, you win a car that you know, isn't, on the, isn't on the showroom floor. You get to build it out yourself and so on and yeah. so forth. Yeah. So well, anyways, a $50, $50 raffle ticket is all it takes. In fact, one of our winners from 2020 sent me a photo of his license plate that he had ordered a while ago, but because of COVID, it didn't come in. It says one raffle ticket. Yeah, it's only open to uh, PCA members, current PCA members. So it's not a, something to the public. If you're listening uh, from across the pond or whatnot, uh, it's not um, available to everyone. Just to a member benefit, only PCA members are able to buy tickets. Yeah, in the U.S. and Canada. Yes, U.S. and Canada. Yep. 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 All right. So last part of our podcast, we always like to get an update. Damon's corner with his Cayman. You did an autocross, but it seems like it's uh, the season's pretty much done for you. I noticed you have a missing yep. BBS wheel cap. So what else are you going to fix <laughs> over the winter? Yeah, yeah. well, <clears throat> I need to get some new wheel caps uh, or at least a spare set that fell off when I was driving. Uh, not at the autocross. Oh, um, really? Funny enough, really? it was just driving around on the street. Must have hit a bump or a pothole. So, hmm. um, But, yeah, I haven't done anything to the car recently, but I have a lot of plans this winter. Um It'll be on a quick jack for probably a good month or two, and I'll That's be working on quick, it. Quick jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quick jack, slow process. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> quick jack, slow process. Uh, I'll be putting in a lightweight flywheel, um, a new clutch, and, fly, uh, and a sprung clutch, I should say, uh, to go with the lightweight flywheel. Um, Does remove- it need a clutch? Um, it doesn't need one, but before I take it on, <laughs> before I take the car on track, I'm trying to do a bunch of things that will make it reliable. So I've done a two quart deep. What's wrong sub. with the clutch that's in it? It's fine, but there's still a grease seal on the IMS bearing. So to get the IMS yeah, bearing, I would do grease seal. All right. yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So I, I'm, I'm doing that. everything I can to make the car not blow up on track when I take it there. Okay. So, uh, so while I'm in there taking the IMS uh, bearing grease seal out, I'll be doing the rear main seal, which. Is not leaking, but while I'm in there, and then yeah. while I'm in there is also the lightweight flywheel and a new clutch. We should mm-hmm. probably talk about the the grease seal thing for a second because yeah. obviously it's the last style of IMS bearing, the yep. one that is not serviceable. You can't replace it without tearing mm-hmm. the engine apart. Right. Mm-hmm. So the thing to do is you remove the grease seal mm-hmm. so the bearing gets you know basically bathed in oil. Is that kind yeah, of yeah. So there, some people say. Don't remove the grease seal. Um, others say do remove it. Um, I'm removing it because the people who have told me to remove it, I, I respect their opinion very much. Um, what happens is that that IMS bearing is too big to come out of the engine to be replaced unless you split the block when you're rebuilding the engine. Um, so the next best thing is to remove the grease seal um, and allow the right. engine oil to splash onto it and lubricate it. Too big to service, but unfortunately not too big to fail. Exactly. And don't pull the grease seal on an earlier car that has a smaller bearing. Just replace the bearing. Right. Uh, this is only for the uh, M97 engine. That, and can't, the, that you can't pull, yeah, pull Exactly. So, so I'll be doing that. Um, 
you know, and uh, I've already got the two quart deep sump uh, done. I'll be doing a water pump and an expansion tank when I'm in there and a low temp thermostat. So my cooling issues sh- should be solved before I get on track. Have you had cooling issues? <laughs> Not yet, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Clutch works fine, no cooling issues, but I'm going to change it all. This is like my 996 Turbo experience. <laughs> we're going to change a bunch of shit that's not broken. Yeah. Spend a lot of money doing it. No, but yeah. for, well, for, well, the thing is, you go on track, you on have track. sticky tires, yeah. and you starve your engine of oil. You're doing the right thing. You only too. have yeah. to do that We're once. just teasing you. So, yeah, You're no, definitely doing the right thing. Just don't be the numbnut that wrecks on turn one. On the first lap of the first session of the season, I'll try not to. Just don't uh, remember it's a good, it's a long driver's ed season, so uh, there's no trophies. I'd be very there's sad. No trophies. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. no driver's ed championship. Yeah, but but yeah, that's what I'm doing. Just making the car uh, good for the track. You know, Cayman R or slash Cayman S brake calipers. Um, with uh, I bought a used set of Giro disc rotors, so two piece brake uh, two piece brake discs, which will which are bigger than the Cayman R stock rotors and also a bit lighter, uh, semi-solid transmission mounts, and stainless steel braided brake lines. So it's basically wow, going to be a going car. away from a... No, no kidding. I mean, Damon's Cayman wow. is going to be a regular segment of this podcast because this Turns, never Turning into a track monster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's getting there. So, uh, All right. So we'll well, keep, uh, keep notes and keep uh, giving us great content on your build. And I know yeah, people definitely. are... Enjoying it, the last one that you did, what was that, on the suspension install? Yep, uh, DIY like, suspension, it's on our YouTube channel, so if you have a 987 Boxster or Cayman, or even a 986, you can use that video as a reference. I, I feel like, though, I, I, as an intervention to warn you that it's probably cheaper at this point to go get hooked on crack <laughs> and the amount there. of money you're about to spend <laughs> right. in the next few years in, uh, once you step first step foot on the track... Because uh, it's never your fault. It's always the car's fault by you're not fast. Right. But it's always good to live vicariously this way. Whenever somebody else is spending a crap ton of money, <laughs> it's like I'll listen to him all day long because it's not my money. So all I heard Rob say was buy Hoosier and lots of them. <laughs> all right, folks. Well, that's the end of our third podcast. Again, thanks to 5 North Main Podcast Studio in Bel Air. Thank you to the Coffee Bar. And thank you guys for being here today. And we'll catch you at the next one. And any comments uh, or uh, suggestions or criticism of what Rob said, uh, sending to to, uh, podcast (laughs) podcast (laughs) at PCA.org. Podcast at PCA.org. And remember, complaints go to Rob. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. We're going to have to make up an email address called podcast.